Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. Valued listeners, you don't know this, but this is actually the third try we've just made to get this recording done in our podcast platform. So get excited because there is a lot of effort to to make this this episode happen. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitber, here with my amazing co-host, Maria Velasquez. And we are so excited because we have Jennifer Leggio on, and she is the Chief Marketing Officer of Natography. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you both. Yeah, and thank you for dealing with the technology difficulties, and I I think it's just a typical Wednesday. You're so worth it, Jen, so worth it. (laughs) I appreciate that. I'm here for it, though. We're in it together. So, Jen, Before we get into the meat of what we want to talk about, which is the market and changes that you've seen happen in marketing over the course of your career, can you start by telling us how you even got to this position? Tell us your journey. Sure. So I started out in journalism. And then back in 2000, I decided to make a switch and move to Silicon Valley. I'd lived in Southern California prior And the first place, the only place that would hire me with no experience was a small PR agency that specialized in cybersecurity clients. And that's kind of where I got my start. I was able to spin the journalism stuff into into PR, hence my nickname, Media Fighter. That might make more sense now. So then over the years, I worked worked in agency for a while. Then I, I really fell in love with working at startups the building, the exits, turnaround, et cetera. I've seen it all. I guess about 10 years or so ago, I worked for my current CEO, Marty Resch. He was the founder and CTO of Sourcefire and also the creator of Snort, the popular open source IDS technology. So we worked together there. That company sold to Cisco. He remained with Cisco. I went on to do startups. And then he you know, kind of took some time off for a while, came back in to be CEO of Notography. And then when he was getting the go-to-market team going and needed a CMO, he gave me a call and uh, immediately quit my other job and ran toward it. Previously, when we did our first try, I mentioned that it is nice as a marketer going into a new venture, a startup, especially early stage, to already know the CEO, already know the founders, you know, their leadership style, you know, the environment. That must have helped you a lot to make the decision, right? It did. It was a nice mix, though. I know Marty well, and I knew our head of sales and our head of field engineering. But our co-founders, Barrett Lyon and Dan Murphy, who are industry legends themselves, they have a great background with Prolexic, Newstar, AOL. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm going to forget the other company. I hope they don't get upset. So just, so it's, it was a nice balance of you know knowing Marty and some of the former Sourcefire team, but getting to know this new team and figuring out how to kind of mix the DNA, so to speak, and and getting to, and just getting to know everyone that came along with them as well. So I'm really fortunate to work with all these great people and the team that we're building and and even the new folks that we're hiring that didn't work with any of us before. So it's it's a fun journey. Amazing. And you know what's also very very cool about your background, Jen, is that you do come from that PR and comms background and you're a chief marketing officer who has that as their lineage in marketing because 
we see a lot of people who are CMOs, like we see a lot of rise up CMOs that come from product marketing and come from demand gen. It seems to be the standard, right? In, in some CMO, you know, oh, the CMO, they came from demand gen, they came from product marketing. So it's cool that you're coming from this comms PR background. It's been interesting. When I was at Sourcefire, my CMO at the time, Mark Solomon, he's now the CMO at Threat Quotient. I remember saying to him, I'm a comms person. I'm not a marketer. And he saw something in me and I really got into it. And I started, I've become such a marketing operations nerd now. But just, you know, it's interesting how you balance it out. But I do agree that it's, when I look across like my CMO brethren, it's us communications types are are definitely the the minority among that group. Yeah. You just said something that I found really interesting. You kind of separated comms from marketing, right? You just said that you said to your, you know, your future CMO or CEO, I, I'm not a marketer. I'm a comms person. Do you how do you think of that, Jen? Like where do you draw that? line cuz i would i would say that comms is is part of marketing but obviously being in comms you have a different perspective you know i i used to feel that way i obviously learned very quickly that i was wrong about that i saw it as a very different animal because it is measured differently than say you know your demand gen so when i'm looking at my marketing operations i'm living and breathing salesforce you know while i can integrate some of my digital activity and see and track social, for instance, in Salesforce, my earned media is harder to track through there. So, you know, that's, you have to kind of do a little bit of a a sleight of hand and a swag with your media monitoring tools and Google analytics and such. But, you know, I think I learned the, not the hard way. I I almost, it could have been the hard way had I not had a mentor that pushed me to understand that comms was a pivotal part of marketing. And I wish more people understood that, especially right now with the way the market has shifted. Let's talk about that. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, we all know that we're kind of in a rough time in the economy. As we're recording this just this week, Silicon Valley Bank has been dismantled. There's still talks of recession. There's still budget cuts across the board. What are you thinking, Jen, like about this this general market shift? Because you started in the aughts, in the early aughts. You started your career kind of in that, hey, join, move to San Francisco, and then there's a tech bubble. And I think you probably have some perspective you could share with all of us because marketing economy comes and goes in cycles. Sure. And I could take that in in, in, with two different kind of macro views of it. One is just the market in general. So yeah, I I joined, I got into cybersecurity in the middle of 2000, right before the tech bubble burst, right? So going through that process was really interesting. And then in 2008, which is what people, a lot of people are comparing everything to now, was a time where Fortinet, which is an extremely successful and large company now, we were looking to IPO. And it's, and, you know, there were some hesitations there, but one thing that I've found, and of course now we're in this environment that we are now with a lot of uncertainty, but security is, it's pretty resilient. And because you, your needs for security never go away. It's not like, oh, it's a, it's a nice to have technology. Now there are certain technologies within security that you can make that argument about, but security itself as a market 
I think is a little bit shielded. And I th- at times when you you run into maybe bankers or venture capitalists that have never been operators in security companies, and they don't understand that sometimes demand can increase because there is more criminal activity because of the environment that you're in. And I hate talking about that truth because it makes us sound super capitalist, but that's a reality. So that's I'll, I'll pause there. That's my view on it from a market perspective. And then I have a more nitty gritty perspective on the marketing itself. That's very true because I, I just read today that now because of what's happening with Silicon, now they're a bigger target <laughs> for attackers just going after data and seeing what they can do with that, which is so true. Yeah, I find. I mean, we know that you know threat actors will use anything to try to to twist and turn and and you know take care take advantage of people's emotional and financial vulnerabilities, right? And that's no exception. I, I did have a little bit of a rant on LinkedIn the other day, kind of slashing at my fellow cybersecurity marketers for uh, trying to sell products around like business email compromise and such because of this. Because, you know, companies are going to be opening new bank accounts right now, all of that. There might be confusion. People are frantic. And I get it. I get it. We need, we need to protect people. But I was like, don't use this as an opportunity to try to sell something. That, that's just, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. I think it's an opportunity to educate. So, I mean, because as security companies, we should be commenting and providing resources and education on things that are relevant today. And it's one of those things where it's helping both the reader and it helps us in that way where we're doing it almost in a, I'm not a comms expert in like a comsy way, like in a brand way, right? Maybe. <laughs> But saying that being ambulance chasers is never a good look for folks. So, and what you were saying before, right? Like threat actors always take advantage of bad times. Remember COVID and all of the, all of the uh, horrible targeted attacks that came out of that on the hospitals, on shipping companies, on everything, because just everyone moved digital overnight, like completely digital overnight and people could not handle it. And companies were not set up to operate that way. And it created a ton of risk for folks. So Jen, what's the sweet middle spot then? How do you join the conversation with this mindset of, hey, we're just here to help the community educate how to get through this together versus ambulance chasing? Because that's the struggle. It's like, well, we want to pitch in because we have experts, we have maybe data, we have research. But also, we don't want to sound like we're just jumping on, you know, like a drama trial. <laughs> I think it's a very, it's a great question. I think it's a very fine line. And it really, you know, it's not necessarily a one size fits all approach. But I think there's a stark difference between, hey, fill out this form and let us know if you're a customer of Silicon Valley Bank. And you might be having issues and you might not, you might be concerned about your organization being aware of the risks right now versus, hey, I'm a company that has all these resources that can educate you and I'm going to ungate this content for you, or I'm willing to do free consulting hours to help you guys navigate, you know, or help your board navigate their portfolio that might be running into some of the challenges here. You know, that could be seen as marketing. I mean, and really, in a, it is marketing. It's not like all marketing is bad in this case. It's the, 
the, the worst offenders that I saw were the, the, you know, Hey, you know, you're probably, you may be running into an issue because you may be, and nobody knows unless somebody come out and said, I'm a client of Silicon Valley bank. Nobody knows who it was. You may be running into this. I saw it on LinkedIn fill out this form. We'll have one of our salespeople let you know how you can use our solution to protect yourself. And I was like, no, just stop. Stop that right now. And I think that's the main difference. And we've seen it extend beyond security. My CEO in our, we have a general social Slack. He's been sharing like a lot of the banks and the, and the kind of FUD based marketing he's been getting from banks the last few days. And we're like, wow, this is egregious. And now a word from our sponsor, Hushly. Hushly is the first all-in-one buyer experience and conversion cloud. Hushly takes critical marketing products that need to work together as a single solution and brings them into one unified platform. With Hushly, cybersecurity marketers gain efficiencies, productivity, and scale while offering rich, personalized, and connected digital experiences to their prospects and customers. If you're looking to be more efficient and make account and contact level personalization a core part of your demand generation, AVM, and content marketing efforts, then take a look at Hushly. That's Hushly with no E. H-U-S-H-L-Y.com. And thanks Hushly for sponsoring our party at RSA Conference 2023. See you all there. So we covered that the buying journey, the buyer's journey has changed, but we also covered that the market has changed, even comparing to 2008, right? What can marketers do to make sure we have our head above water with all of these changes from budget cuts to strategies to um, anything you can think of? What advice do you have? So that actually, it's a great segue into kind of the the other kind of overarching comment that I had on the market, which is there are sadly, and some companies for many different reasons, large and small, have had to do cutbacks of their staff, of their talent over the last few months, and there may be more to come, right? What has pained me for my marketing counterparts is to see how some leaders whether it's the the exec staff itself or if it's the board pressure or what have you, are making decisions on marketing roles and and what to keep or what to invest more or less in based on 2008 principles of how marketing is done. Marketing, Marketing was already shifting before COVID and then everything went upside down. And now we're in this, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it, this new normal But if you think about it, buyers do not want to fill out forms. They're not coming to your website as much. Even if you capture their information, nurturing those leads, when you look at like, think about lead scoring models and all of that, we still do them because we have to and they do work, but they don't scale as much as they used to. So I talk a lot about the importance of doing what I call outside in programs Like you really have to invest in your communications, your PR, your earned media, go where the buyers are, your content syndication, put more into your channel that have existing relationships in your channel marketing, where they have existing relationships and they're trusted by the buyers, especially if you're a new company that doesn't have a brand yet, your digital earned and paid, right? And how are you tracking that? But I'm seeing so many people that 
are just getting blindly like channel marketing, corporate communications, digital, social. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because the biggest mistake there is, and this is a big long rant, and I apologize for that, but I feel very strongly about this. We love the rants. We love it. Good. This is is the rant podcast for you to rant on. So go ahead. I'm I'm right at home then. It's, it's, you know, I think there needs to be a much more critical eye. It can't be like, oh, well, we can't measure PR in Salesforce the way we measure everything else. Therefore, let's get rid of PR. No, Wait, don't whose do that. voice is that, Jen? Whose voice I don't know. That? that was my voice of the general, like, <laughs> n- uninformed leader that makes these decisions, I Love guess. I, d- I do that a lot in my personal life. Now that is, now the cybersecurity <laughs> marketing industry can hear it too. But the... Uh, you know, you can't just, so say you you stop investing in your PR agency, for example, you get rid of your corporate communications person, or you pull back from your channel enablement. You can't just turn those things back on. It doesn't work like that. You don't just, poof, I have relationships with reporters again. Poof, my Google AdWords go back to where it was. Poof, my channel is going to make me a priority over the five vendors that continued to work with them while another company was making cuts. You just can't turn them back on. And there's this philosophy of like, well, we'll just start doing PR again. We'll just start doing press releases again. Press releases have been dead for a long time. I do them when we have to, when there's something material, like we have a business momentum and I want investors maybe to see them or there's a new executive appointment. Other than that, that's not PR people. So I think that's a mistake. I think a lot of companies are going to come back and realize, oh, nobody knows who we are and we are anymore because we're not going to where the buyers are and we're relying on this one little tiny database, like my precious, right? Like in, and it's not moving because people don't want to open their emails anymore. Mm-hmm. I will never look at my database in Parda the same ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, and I don't want to diminish the value. I mean, I live and breathe. I live and breathe in my marketing automation and I, I live in Salesforce. It's important. Don't get me wrong. But if that's all you're banking on to scale your business and do high growth, it's not going to work. Exactly. You're talking about the holistic, like not being short-sighted, right? Not cutting things that are hard to measure. Earned media, like you just said, is really hard to measure. Like we're in the news. Like, what does that mean? How can you attribute a deal to that? Well, you can't unless someone literally says, I read about you in X and nobody tells you that. So, and they don't remember either, by the way, they don't remember. They just know you now and they don't remember how or where. So all this like, all right, we got to cut things. We got to cut spend. Like, let's cut the things that we can't track right away is often cutting off your nose to spite your face, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And you know what you measure like, why aren't you looking at things like share of voice or share of mind, right? And, you know, I, I have this conversation probably every board meeting as I reiterate the importance of share of voice and how we'll eventually get to share of mind. And that's how you get to where communications really is impacting the buy-in cycle. But you also, when you're smart, and this is where the internal comms person is really important, those internal comms people have the good ones at least, have been trained to look for media opportunities that double as sales tools. They're not just mentions for mentions sake, right? They're not those people that are going out saying like, we're going to come up with a comment on that rapid response. And even though we have nothing to say that's unique, let's just email it out to reporters. That's not what moves it, right? It's the, we get an article or a byline or an interview or somebody, or you get a mention 
or even if your company is not mentioned, you get competitive depositioning where somebody takes an angle that you have where you're trying to, to unseat another technology in an article and you take those articles and you feed them into your nurture. That third-party validation as part of your nurture is so, so much more valuable than something I can write for my team to send because I'm just a marketing wonk. No offense, my people, right? <laughs> but you know, people don't trust marketing and salespeople because we're marketing and salespeople. That's our job is to get to manipulate our social engineer is what some people say, right? Into, into, you know, understanding, you know, what we do and potentially buying our stuff. So Jen, can we actually, this is great because so I think people don't understand comms and PR and earned media. Like people just don't get it. Marketers who have grown up in demand gen and have grown up in product marketing and other areas and are focused on the data, the data, the data don't understand like what it even is, right? Because you're just saying, oh, you know, you're saying the press release is dead and everybody associates PR with press releases. So if you were going to out share with folks, like what, if you wanted to basically sell like the value of comms to, a, to an org, what would you say that comms does and how does comms affect the bottom line? Like what is good comms? Good communications. I, it, I just touched on a little bit of it, but the best corporate communications PR, you know, corporate communications also includes your industry analysts. We can't forget about that. And I think a lot of people- I would like to. I'm segueing. <laughs> I'm segueing a little bit on, on answering your question here, but people think that mentions in reports from the analyst firms are the most important thing. Those are not the most important things when you're dealing with Gartner, Forrester, et cetera. Those analysts are on the phone eight hours a day with your buyers. So whether you see a magic quadrant or a wave or whatever with your name on it, yeah, those are great. I'll take one. Sure. But what happens is those industry analysts, when they're talking to buyers about like, what should I buy? What do I need to get my CFO to sign off on this PO for this technology that I need? They need, you know, I'll pick on a, one of my favorite analysts, Neil McDonald from Gardner. Love that guy. They need Neil McDonald to say, like, I recommend photography. I don't know if he'll say that, but I'm just giving an example of things I'd like to hear <laughs> some, said to a buyer, right? That's way more important than a mention in a report. And when we're talking about the broader comms, Janet, to your, to your original question, to sell the importance of it, it really goes back to going where your buyers are, Right. Your buyers don't want to fill out forms. Your buyers may not want to go to your website. They don't want to click on ads. But you know that they're reading certain publications. You know that they're on certain social media platforms. So if you can get the right type of content that ties into your value prop that you know is going to move a buyer persona in the right direction, and then you feed that into your demand gen, because I'm an ops nerd too. So like, don't get me wrong, you feed that into your demand gen, you cannot achieve any of that, what I explained on the AR side and what I explained on the PR side without a strong comms program, internal or external. It's impossible because your demand gen people and your product people don't know how to do it. 
Love it. I love that you keep saying you're an ops nerd. I feel like we need to have you back on another episode just to talk marketing ops because I am a mops nerd too. And I love talking about that stuff. But because you say that, I imagine that then you work very closely with the sales team, right? On pipeline, lead management, lead handover, all of that. And since you've had amazing success in your career, what advice could you give our listeners about that sales and marketing alignment and that relationship there and what you've done that you've seen work? The best, I'm very fortunate that the best example that I've seen of that working well is in my current company. And I've had good partnerships in the past, but, you know, our current CRO, we, you know, we're different organizations. In my organization, the CRO, he has sales, he has sales engineering, he has customer experience. I have marketing and all the facets for marketing. And I also help, because I am an ops nerd, I also help support on the ops side there. I don't have a, I don't have a mops person. I am the mops person, which I don't mind being. So one unified team, one unified go-to-market team, regardless of the way you measure the business. So we look at our origins and we split it up like many companies would by marketing, by channel and indirect and what's channel in, what's channel out, of course. And then, you know, what's sales prospected, what's referred maybe by an investor. We look at all those things because we need to know where we're going to invest our dollars. Where are we going to hire? What are the things that are converting the best, right? But if you're not one unified go-to-market team, it, it just creates issues. It, it, it just breeds that sales versus marketing. And that is the biggest killer of success. So for my, you know, so for my advice to marketers is, you know, don't look at sales as the enemy. Don't do that whole Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, your leads are weak. Yeah, work your leads, whatever the quote is, right? <laughs> That's always going to happen. Just accept that it's there. Don't take it personally right? It's there. People are under pressure. They're, they're have empathy for your sales team. They're carrying in the bag. We carry, I pair, I carry a lead goal. I carry a conversion goal. I carry a pipeline goal. But in the end of the day, marketers generally, you know, some, depending on you have a column structure, you know, that there may be bonus on those types of things. Every company is different, but your sales team, they're, they're living for that commission. So have empathy toward them. And as you, if you can have that unification at the top with the CRO and the CMO, and, and also I should say our, our VP, in our case, our head of field, our VP of field engineering, who is in the CRO's org, the three of us, I call it, we call ourselves a tripod, basically leading one org together, even though we're different teams with different ways we're comped and different ways we're measured Empathy, really empathy and knowing that the field will fight, but you got to arm them. And it's our job as marketers to arm them with everything that we can. Amazing. That was awesome. So I think it is time for our game. Before we head to that game, do you have any last maybe advice or thoughts or, well, advice towards comms marketers who want to become CMOs one day? Oh, goodness. I would say, don't make the mistake I did. Look at yourself as a marketer, no matter what people say. Don't, don't, don't ever, in general, don't ever accept a box that anybody else puts you in, right? And start to understand, start to really dig into, okay, talk to your demand gen folks, forge a, a relationship there to see, like, you know, how can my, what I do on my side feed into your success? 
Because then you're going to learn kind of in a little bit of a backwards way, but you're going to learn what you may need to do. Take the time to learn the tools. You might be, you know, time is precious. Time is a precious commodity. Take the time to learn the tools. You know, your, whatever your company uses for marketing automation, whatever you use for sales prospecting, whatever you use for your CRM, take the time to learn it because knowing how to navigate that, speak the language. Don't be like, well, I don't need to know. Everybody uses different things, but like, I don't need to know what an MQL or an SQL or an AQL or any of that is. Yes, you do. If you are on a marketing team that's trying to drive revenue, yes, you do. I don't care what your job is, even product marketing, even comms. Take the time to learn it. You will be so much more successful. And operations, honestly, as much as I am a comms person, I, as you know, Maria had said, we're ops nerds. Operations is everything at the end of the day. And if you know how to show the value of your work as it ties to the bottom line of the company, you're going to be the most valuable marketer in the room that day. Love it. We definitely need an encore to this. We're definitely coming, bringing you back on. <laughs> Happy to. All right. So game time. Maria, who wants to go first this week? Do you want to or me? Gosh, I'll go first. Sometimes I have good luck when I go first. And considering, let's see, we know you come from comms, PR background. Jen, oh, that's so the right. game Let's is. explain the game. Oh my gosh, we're so bad. Okay, apologies. So Jen... <laughs> Every episode, we, uh, Jan and I, try to guess what our guest's career would be if they weren't working in cybersecurity marketing today. And we can't choose something you've done in the past. So we can't choose that you were journalists or, or you know, in, in comms or PR, right? So those are the, the three that come to mind, right? Okay. So most of the time, we're way off. <laughs> And it makes for a good laugh. I don't know. I'm getting this. I was going to say journalist, but on TV, but that would disqualify my. <laughs> my nice try, cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I actually could see you being an amazing public speaker. So, like a professional public speaker that would bring inspiration to a group of people and give them hope and keep them going. Doesn't have to be around marketing, but just public speaking in general. I think so I'm gonna I'm gonna say the three that I'm thinking and then we're gonna pick one. So Jen, I could see you either as like leading a military unit, <laughs> the CEO of a company, or like being like in the monarchy. Like so don't make that face, Maria. I have good opinions and I have been losing this whole year so far. But these and Jen laughed really hard, which means I'm probably right. Okay, so I'm going to pick leading a military unit. <laughs> Is this where I say how close you guys fell? Yeah, yeah. you pick the winner and then you actually tell us. <laughs> I mean, it, monarchy, if, if Prince Harry were still available, that might be a consideration. But um, <laughs> no, in all, in all seriousness, you know, <laughs> military unit, that, that made me laugh because my team will laugh when they hear that. I, I, I try to balance everything with EQ, but I am very much task oriented. But uh, Maria was closest. It used to be like CEO, COO, but I've had a lot of changes in my life recently and good ones. And I've started to, to uh, pick up doing stand-up comedy. And I've also been, and I've been very open about this on my Twitter and such, I am also in recovery for alcohol. 
And I want to go on the speaking circuit to help other people. There's a quote that I love that is, we recover loudly so no one else dies quietly. Mm. And so that has become kind of my own personal purpose. So when I'm done with the cybersecurity marketing piece, I want to use my voice and my personality and tie in comedy. And and actually the comedy act I have next week, it's called On the Couch Where I Bottomed Out. I want to use that to try to help educate people to, you know, not be afraid to make a change and not be ashamed of making that change. So, wow. What an amazing story. We should have started the episode with that. <laughs> it's a hard one to guess. So I know. I know you guys are set up to, but but it ties in a lot of what you both guessed. So Wow. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for sharing that, for being on our show. Where can people find your comedy or you if they want to reach out? Best place to find me, uh, LinkedIn or Twitter at Media Fighter. So Media, P-H-Y-T-E-R. And then my comedy is just kind of, I I just started my shows at the pit in New York City where I live, people's improv theater. But uh, if you show up randomly and I don't know you, that might be weird. But, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter first. I love that. I'm not far from New York City, so I might have to drop into one of your shows. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us to our listeners. Thank you. If you don't know, a new episode drops every Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe so you get that alert. Give us 5, 10, 11, 20 stars, as many as you can. Tell your friends and colleagues about this show. And Jen, thank you so much for joining the show today. We realize you're busy CMO, so we appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Thank you so much. I had a blast, and I, I, hope, I hope this helps people. See you soon.